Welcome back for the fifth episode of the Keep League and its Communities podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Carboni. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with John Schiffner, who is now retired but was the longest-reigned Cape Cod Baseball League coach. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining this evening. I appreciate it because it can be tough with the scheduling and everything and the Zoom. Uh, no, I'm retired. No, no scheduling problem with me. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's probably the best. All right, so I'm just going to basically just ask a few questions about your experience with the Cape League. Thank you for joining. This is the fifth episode of the Cape League and its Communities podcast. I'm here with John Schiffner. Could you just basically introduce yourself for people that wouldn't know you and what team you coach for in the Cape League and how many years? Sure. Well, my name is John Schiffner. <clears throat> I uh, coach Chatham A's from, as an assistant coach from 1978 to 1982. I came back in 1990 and was named the manager in 1993 and uh, had the greatest experience in my life. I was lucky enough to be a high school coach in Connecticut, so it allowed me to take the summers off and you know, coach in the Cape Cod League. But I, you know, it was pretty cool to be in a, in a Chatham A's uniform or any, any Cape Cod League uniform for 34 years. It was very, very special. That's amazing. What brought you to the Cape? So you went to Fairfield University and... I went to PC with mom. PC, sorry. I'm thinking about dad. Okay. I, I always PC. do that because I heard Connecticut and I was like, yep. Fairfield or I go to Sacred Heart. My apologies for that. Oh, so Providence okay. College and then you were on the Cape. What brought I you played Cod League from 1974 to 1976 with the Harwich Mariners. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Had a very brief uh, shot in pro ball and then was released rather quickly. And I called my summer coach, who, who was a coach in the Mariners, and said, hey, can I come back? I, I, I really want to start a coaching career. And he said, absolutely, come on back. So I'm throwing batting practice, coaching first base for the Mariners in, uh, in uh, 1977. And uh, Ed Lyons, who was then the manager of the Chatham Ace, who I had gotten to know uh, very well because he coached at Wareham and then Chatham, and I played third base, so we would chat, and we, we were from New Jersey, North Jersey, we knew a lot of familiar people, and he called me, and he saw me, actually, in the summer of 77, and said, hey, look, I have an assistant coach in opening for next year, and I think you'd, it would really be neat if you could join us, uh, would you be interested in changing teams, I know you play for the Mariners, and I said, I'd love to go to Chatham, and went there and coached with Ed from 1978 to 1982, and uh, wonderful, wonderful six years. It was uh, Eddie. Eddie's the greatest summer coach in the history of the world, as far as I'm concerned. And he taught me so much about, you know, life and summer ball and the differences between summer ball and uh, the real college baseball. And uh, I had a fantastic time, Um, basically became part of his family almost. And uh, then uh, he left in 1982. I did not get my get. I didn't I didn't push hard. I knew I was very young at the time. And uh, ended up uh, getting an offer to coach, or I'm sorry, scout the Expos from 1980, in 1983. So from 83 to 87, 88, I ran around, you know, doing bird dog scouting for the Montreal Expos. And then a friend of Ed's took over a team in the Atlantic Collegiate League. Uh, and they were called, you know, ironically, the New Jersey A's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I coached there, had a great experience. And really interesting it was kind of neat at the our season was over in uh, the Atlantic Collegiate League so I was some a friend of mine in Connecticut said hey Cape League championships uh, 
or this week, you know, you want to go see a game? I said, yeah, it'd be a great idea. Let's go. So that was the summer of 89. And I went up to, it was the championship series, Wareham. And I can't remember who else was in that series. And uh, uh, I ran into some old friends and everyone was excited. You know, hey, God, you were, oh, I'd love to see you. Oh my God, what's going on? And within like an hour, I had three offers to come back the following summer in 1990 as an assistant coach. It was Ketuit, Orleans, and Chatham. So it made a lot of sense to go back to Chatham. So I came back to Chatham in uh, 1990. And, you know, I, in the inter Bobby Whalen hired me, or Bobby Whalen still is the head coach at Dartmouth. Bob hired me and said, you know, I think we're going to have a good time this summer. And then Bob called me over a Christmas holiday and said, hey, I got good news, bad news. I'm not coming back to Chatham. I just got the Dartmouth job. And I said, he was at that time, he was the assistant at UMaine. And I said, oh, wow. And he says, but I'm putting you and Rich Hill, who we were the two assistants, in, in, and I think both of you guys have great credentials. And I put a favorable recommendation to both of you, in for both of you. And uh, Richie got the job. Uh, and he was a head coach, college head coach. I understood that completely. But as you can't believe how classy he was. He calls me on the phone and says, look, I know you coach at Chatham, you know, previously. I have no problem for you coming as my assistant. Do you want to do that? And I said, oh, my God, that's fantastic. Let's do it. And I worked with Rich for three years until Rich got the job. He was at California Lutheran, which was a Division Three power at the time. And he ended up applying for and getting the job at University of San Francisco. But they said, look, you, you got to go back. You have to come back here in the West Coast and recruit. So Chatham said, okay, you know, shift's been around a while. Let's give him the chance and, you know, let him finish it out and we'll go from there. And, and things happened. We were in fourth place. And we just went on a magical ride. We were 16 and five after I took over and went to the finals and uh, the Chatham had interviewed a number of other candidates figuring I'd be out of the mix. And, you know, <clears throat> the kids were very positive and the fans were very positive and Chatham says, Hey, you know what? You, you've deserved it. You've earned it. You've deserved it. Let's run with it. And yeah. for 25 years, I did it. Wow. That's awesome. It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's an awesome timeline right there. Uh, what would you say was your biggest accomplishment as a coach? Uh, I think it was making the kids comfortable mm -hmm. and letting them know, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. Go ahead. And this is both at the high school level. I coached at the high school level in Connecticut for 33 years. Mm -hmm. And the Cape League for that 25 years as the head guy. And it was all about relaxing playing the game and having a good time at it. And one of my, my favorite things to say was that each new team I coached, one of the first speeches I ever gave the team, especially in the Cape League, was that I want three things out of you guys. I want, to, I want you when you leave here to be a better player. I want you to help us win as many games as you can. And I want you to have the best summer of your life. And that's the way I coached. I, you know, if a kid – you know, we didn't browbeat the kids. That was one of the things I told my coaches. We're not, we're not here to beat these kids up. We're here to, you know, we're here to coach them up, and we're here to be their friend because for many kids in the Cape Cod League, it's the best league they've ever played in. They're going to suffer failures, and some of these kids have never failed before, so that's what we were there for. Certainly, we were there for batting practice and adjustments and, you know, try to make things, uh, get them better if we could. But the, the big thing was is that this is how you've got to learn to play professional baseball. Mm -hmm. It's night in, night out. It's not 
one game, you know, it's not three games in a weekend and we'll see it, you know, maybe we might play a game on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's seven days a week sometimes with a grind. And, you know, we tried to teach them, this is how you have to prepare for that. And, you know, I think it, I think it worked out very well. I think that was the, one of the things that was, it was a nice relaxing summer when you came to Chatham and, you know, let's, let's get you better. And I would tell kids, I'm not sitting you more than two straight games. You're not benched here. You go 0 for 8, you're going to play. If it's your turn to play on that third day, you're playing. I don't care if you struck out eight times, you're playing. Mm-hmm. And then we would figure things out from there. And, but uh, it, I thought that was – it was just a matter of making the game fun for them at that level and knowing that the game is fun at that level. That's definitely key because I feel like so many kids come and it's so overwhelming. One, they're in one of the best collegiate leagues and they're away from home. They're living with strangers. It's just so much to have coaches that are supportive and there for you and not no, push you till, till the breaking point. That's definitely. There, there is no question it's a unique league with all those variables you just mentioned. I mean, living with a host family, which is really strange. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, there, there's, there's unfortunately horror stories of, of host families who, you know, it was a, they, they didn't get what they were there to do. And it made it an uncomfortable summer and a bad summer for some of the players. I mean, I've heard that from kids that I've run into over the years not that did not play for me they knew who I was and you get into a conversation and they tell you horror stories about some of the host families that they had and uh, you know that was important to me that the host families understood our mission and I would luckily this is again this is a very this was very fortunate why it was part of the success that we had I only lived two hours away so I would make sure that we had several you know, preseason host meetings, and I would meet the new host families and explain to them, look, we've got your back. You know, you, you, the house is yours, but, you know, you also have to understand this is a different situation for the kid as it is for you. So there should be a kind of like a, a point where it all balances out. And 90% of the time it worked out, and uh, that, that, that made it even better because the, the host families knew what they were expecting, and we knew what they would expect from the host families. And if there was ever an issue, they had my cell phone number. They could call me. I said, my phone's on 24-7. Call me if there's a problem. And I think that, again, that helped out. And the coach, the kids knew, hey, they got my phone number. They're going to call me. You guys screw up. And luckily, over the years, we had very, very few problems either side with host families or with with the kids. They got it. Because I said, the host families are the single most important uh, entity in a Cape Cod League franchise. It's not for, if we don't have good host families, we're screwed. We can't, we can't, uh, we, we can't compete because the word will get out. Ooh, you don't want to go to Chatham because they got some host families that are really bad. And that's, you know, that, that hurts. It, it's it really makes or breaks. Like a moment yes. for a kid makes or breaks. No, it. no question. We were very lucky. That's awesome. So do you live in Connecticut now? Cause you are retired or do you still reside on the Cape? I retired here to Cape Cod. I retired from teaching in 2013, sold my house in Connecticut in October. And uh, I spent uh, three, three winter or three seasons at University of Maine uh, from in 2014 and 15. And then I, I took, I just, I got hurt. I actually couldn't go back. I needed Achilles tendon surgery. So I kind of said, uh, I can't come back. And then, they had a coaching change and the coach that took over asked me to come back. And I came back for the 2017, 18 and 2018, 19 seasons. And it was a great experience, but I live here in Harwich now, retired, loving life. Yes. Finally relaxing. Maybe. Yeah, it was, 
I told people, you know, a lot of people says, oh, you're going to get back into coaching. And I said, I really don't think so. I did enough. 42 years as a coach. And I like to say to people, I had 58 seasons as a head coach. I was the head coach for the 25 years in Chatham and 33 years at Plainfield. And you know what? I enjoyed my time at Maine as the assistant. It was great because when somebody had a real question, I'd go, oh, talk to that guy over there. And it was great. And then, you know, it, I, I think the COVID thing last spring kind of said to me, yeah, this is pretty good. I had a couple opportunities to do some things, but they were all postponed because of the COVID. And I did as much as I could, as often as I could. So I'm playing golf, I'm fishing, I'm hanging out. And it's, I look back with 42 seasons or 42 years and all those seasons with fond memories. And I'm glad I can do some things right now that I haven't had a chance to do in a long time. I'm fishing more, you know, I'm going back to hunting, which, you know, brings me back memories of my dad, my grandfather, uh, okay. you know, just playing golf. You know, I'm not very good, but I love to play. So That's it's all matters. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a specific year or team that you coach that sticks out to you distinctly when you look back on the 42 years? Yes, I have to say a number of the Cape League teams were just absolutely phenomenal young men. And all my high school teams were great. Those kids were just awesome. I can, you know, there was a handful of years that were a little bit better than others, but there's never a bad year there. The same with the Cape League, there was very, very few teams that, you know, you were, you, you have that end of the year uh, breakup meeting after at the last game whether you won a championship or you didn't make the playoffs and there's emotion there because you've just spent the last 90 days with these guys and I can remember only once or twice where I'm going boy I'm glad that's over mm -hmm. I'm glad they're heading home <laughs> you know <laughs> but, but in most cases there were wonderful experiences but I, I think partly because of the the kids the 2005 Chatham A's were my favorite team. Uh, now, somebody's going to sit there and say, well, you had 13 big liggers. And yeah, you know what? You're right. But they were great kids. They molded together and melded together as kids and teammates. And, you know, they still stay in touch. And there's group texts. And, you know, the, you know, there's always the, the, the stories of Todd Frazier just saying something crazy because of Todd he's Todd Frazier mm -hmm. and then you had you know Mr. Level Evan Longoria who you know he would he Evan was there on a mission now that does not mean he was uncoachable it doesn't mean that he was uh tough to deal with but Evan was on a mission mm -hmm. and Frazier was on like hey I'm playing ball in Cape Cod this is great you know and you know you had the personality differences and you had Chris Coglin who was you know phenomenal hitter phenomenal infielder and then you had some wild guys, um, Jared Hughes on the pitching staff, Derek Lutz on the pitching staff, and they were hysterical. They were fun guys to be around. It was just a neat team, and they knew they were good, and we were. We, if, if Orleans fell off the map that summer, we would have won the championship. Orleans had our number. We just beat everybody else. We could not beat Orleans, and it's a credit to Orleans because they didn't have the talent we had, but they had our number. But all those other games with those guys were just – just special. It's just a special group of kids because, you know, I, I lucked out in the way the roster's set up. So I've got three shortstops. I've got Todd Frazier, Chris Coglin, and Evan Longoria. And I said, look, fellas, 
it's going to help you in your career to play second, third, and short. So we're going to rotate you guys. We're going to look at one another and go, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that helped. And then, you, you know, you, you sat there in awe when Andrew Miller came in throwing 100 miles an hour with a breaking pitch that was just ungodly. And he was such a nice kid. And you just had just – it was just a great group of kids. But – I've had teams that didn't make the playoffs that were almost as uh, as nice a group of kids. I There are so many. Like my last team, we made the playoffs on the last day of the season, and we, we made a run at it. What a great group of guys. And they all handled the, you know, the hoopla that was behind it because I announced that I was retiring, and they milked it, and they had a blast because, you know, one night there's a Boston television station, then there's ESPN. And then, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And they, they had as much fun with it as I did. And I, they handled it so, so well. And it was because uh, it was a little bizarre. And, you know, I mean, to me, it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was great. But uh, it, it did take away from the season a little bit. But these guys battled their butts off. And we upset a team. And, you know, we ended up, you know, giving it a shot. And that, that made it even more special. But, you know, I really, like I said, there's only a handful of teams where you're like, Whew, Oh boy, that's a good, let's get that summer out of the way. And, you know, 90% of the summers were fantastic. What would you say was the most difficult part of being a coach? Does any idea or problem stick out to you? Not problem. Difficult. um, Helping guys when they fail, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the Cape League level, because at high school, it's a little bit different. You know, it's not that big of a deal if you were a superstar in senior league and you're not, you're not doing really well in high school ball. Uh, but when you're, you know, you're an All-American and you come to Cape Cod and you're, you're hitting a buck 90, you know, that's tough. That's really, really tough. And I, that was, I mean, there were many, many nights uh, when the lights were turned out that I was in the dugout with one of those guys. And some of them were in tears and some of them were, you know, they wanted to quit. And, you know, there, it was, that was tough. It was tough and you just have to pump them up. It really depends on them at that point. I'm sorry? It really depends on their reaction to your encouragement. Yeah. I, mean, I won't use his name, but I had a nine-time American League All-Star crying in my dugout, you know, mm-hmm. on my shoulder, going, I can't do – I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I said, yeah, you're okay. You're all right. Just, just you know, it, 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 it might not happen tomorrow, but you're going to take what you learned from here, and you're going to be fine. And he was a first-round pick. He was an All-Star. You know, so. It all you know, worked it, out in the end. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's the thing is that you, you pump these kids up. You don't give them false hopes. You'd be honest with them. You, you, there are players who I thought the world of, and, and I had to be really honest because I'd been at it a long time. I says, hey, you need to figure out plan B because I, I don't think you can make the big leagues. You're going to play a little pro ball, but you're not going to make the big leagues. So let's figure that out. You know, and let's not let's not fight so hard right now because you're just overmatched here. But you're a really good college baseball player. Get your degree and get prepared for plan B. And you're good enough to get a chance to play pro ball. But if you're striking out, you know, 80 percent of the time, that's not going to be good. So let's figure this stuff out here and just let it run. Let it run its course. And that was probably the to me the most difficult thing. Uh, because some of the kids never got it. You know, they fought you to no end. No, I'm better than this guy. No, you're not. You're not. I'm sorry. You know, and, and you, you can help us and you can help yourself, 
but right now, no, you're, you're, you're not one of our better pitchers or hitters or whatever, and you've got to figure it out. So you take what you get here. And I always said that you, you leave the Cape a better player just because of the people that were on your team and the people you faced because you're watching them play and you're watching your teammates work and practice and so forth. And if you don't figure it out, you're, you know, you, that's your fault. And most of the guys who come to the Cape will get better. Now, will they get better enough to go to the big leagues? You don't know. But they're going to get better just by the environment that they're in. What would you say are the qualities of player that stand out to you and that you would hope for in one of your players? Well, you have to work hard. You know, you have to make sacrifices. You have to work hard. And I've seen gifted players who had five tools, and I've seen them not make it. And I've seen guys that didn't have the, the classic five tools, and they made it. They made it because they worked really hard, and they did everything they could to make themselves better. Uh, I, had a, I had an infielder. Uh, he, he, best, he, was, he was the single best, most talented tools I coached. But he just never could apply it the best on the field during a game. He had tremendous power. He had arm strength. He had running speed. He was a double first rounder. And he ended up playing like 50 games in the big leagues. Just never did it. And yet you get a guy like Harold Presley, or not Harold Presley, um, Alex Presley, who played for us, who was like five foot eight, but he did all the right things, put the ball in play, knew how to bunt, had a little speed, could play three outfield positions. And he ended up playing eight or nine years in the big leagues. The other gentleman had more tools that he didn't even know about than poor Alex, but Alex made it to the big leagues because he worked and he believed in himself and he did everything that they asked of him. And, you know, there's other guys, you know, they, that's, that's the thing is that they, you know, you have to, you have to work hard no matter how good you are, because these guys are really, really good. And I always tell the story about, Chipper Jones, uh, he hurt himself in spring training, and God only knows what year it was. You know, it was about midway through or towards towards the end of Jones's career, and he needed knee surgery. And it wasn't major knee surgery; it was enough to put him out for several months. And the very first game he came back, he hit three home runs. Are you kidding me? You know, it just took ninety to one hundred twenty days off. And you come back facing big league pitching and you just hit three home runs. Yeah, they're they're just special. They're special guys. So you, if you're not special, then you've got to work. And you've got to work at every aspect of your game from mental, physical, and everything else to compete. Mike Lowell, phenomenal kid, hard worker, came to us as a second baseman and – I, again, I had one of those luxuries. I had Gabe Alvarez, Mike Moriarty, Mike Lowell as my second, third shortstop. Well, they all were interchangeable, so to speak. But we found out, you know, Mike and Gabe, Mike Moriarty and Gabe were, they could play any place. They were gifted. Mike Lowell was, had slow legs, slow feet. Mike, what do you think about going over and playing third? Yeah. What do you mean? I said, I, I, I'm going to put you at third the rest of this season and let those guys flip at second and short. He goes, oh, coach, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you. And I called his college coach up and 
And I said, this is what I'm doing. He goes, hey, whatever works. And Mike Lowell gets drafted the next year as a third baseman. Wow. He was trying to be a third baseman and ends up being Mike Lowell. And, you know, it's little, he worked. He worked at it because he didn't have the, the feet for second base. He wasn't quick enough. And third base, oh, my God, Mike had great hands, great arm. You know, there you go. There we go. Mike Lowell could hit. We knew he yeah. could hit. That's awesome. That's a great story. What would you say, what is it about the game of baseball that turns men into boys when they step onto the baseball field? Well, I think first and foremost is that you fail 70% of the time and you're still doing well as a hitter. And I think that's the big thing. And then it's, it's a matter of, you know, working and you have to continue to work. Baseball, you can't stop working. You got to continue to work because somebody else is trying to take your job. Because again, it's, you have so many uh, minor leagues. Well, they did. I don't know what's going to happen minor league baseball, but everybody wants your job. You got to keep working and keep working and keep working. And that's, I think that's what makes baseball special. And like I said, the fact that, you know, you're, you're failing as a hitter seven out of 10 times and you're still considered one of the better players, you know, of your profession. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty special in itself. And then it's just, you know, you, every year, we've watched the miles per hour increase as pitchers. So you as a pitcher, you've got to continue to work on your conditioning and keep your miles per hour up. If you can't, you better figure out how to throw strikes and change speeds and make those breaking pitches work for you. So it's a great equalizer for me in life. Baseball is, you know, you can find spots for some guys in other sports. You can always find a spot for some guy in football. You know, if he's a little bit bigger, you know, well, I guess he can't really be a, a defense, he can't be a tight end anymore. I bet you we can make him a tackle, you know, or we can't make this guy a wide receiver anymore, but he'll be a pretty good running back or something like that. You can find spots. In baseball, it's limited. Very, very difficult. You're, you're, if you're not competing and you're not, you know, producing, they're going to go next and, you know, out the door you go. So it, it is a great equalizer because there's so many things that baseball – takes in so it's a it's a great sport it's a great learning sport and if taken the right way it helps you you know I tell our guy I always told our guys is hey you're failing right now because it's not that you don't belong here you need to catch up to here and that that's going to you're going to take the lessons from here and it's going to help you in your future relationships it's going to help you in your you know future business you know, you, you know what it's like to work hard. You know what it's like to suffer some setbacks. And now you know what to do. And baseball allows you to do that. Yeah, it's both on the field and in the real, in the real world. You can take different aspects into it. Did you ever have a team that was truly struggling and that was having a, like a tough time during the summer in the Cape Cod Baseball League? And what was your plan of action? Yeah, we had several. I mean, it, it, you know, it's all not, it's not all, you know, uh, cherries and cream and all that stuff. We had some teams that struggled and it was, you, what you did is you kept a positive attitude because you wanted, I wanted to make the experience great for them. And if we weren't, we had some, we had some pretty bad teams. I mean, it just, you know, it just happened that way, whether they didn't click together uh, or, they just weren't that good. You know, you lose a lot of guys sometimes. We lost guys left and right, whether it was injuries or whatever, and you're trying to replace them, and it's very tough to replace when you got a 
Team USA takes a guy or your best player has to go to summer school or he gets hurt or whatever. And you keep positive because I, well, I would tell them, look, you're supposed to be here. You're in the Cape Cod League. And that means you're one of the best 300 players in the country. Play like that. Work hard. And it, it, it'll happen. And if it doesn't happen now, like I said before, you're going to get better because you're getting excellent coaching. You're around good teammates who are from great programs and you're playing against guys who are phenomenal players. You're going to get better. And I've had, well, I can't remember which team it was. I want to say 2011. I can't remember. I, I should write these things down, but one of my teams was statistically horrible and 14 guys made it to the big leagues. Wow. You know, so, you, you know, you, you sit there and say, say, I'd love yeah. to get them all. Say, yeah. You know, just you know, listen to me. <laughs> it just doesn't, it didn't click for us that summer, but individually you guys were really talented and look what you accomplished. You know? So, I mean, that's the thing. And I told teams that I said, look, you, you need to be selfish down here, not to the point where you're taking away from the team, but you need to perform for yourself because this is where the best scouts see you. You're going to be seeing, you know, the super scouts and the national cross checkers, the assistant general managers, the general managers, the scouting directors, they're going to be here. And all you've got to do is show something one day and that's going to be implanted in the mind of one of those scouts. And they will, if, if you did enough, they're going to push for you when it comes to draft time. So that's, that's what you tell them. Keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. All right. Just to wrap it up, what would you say is your fondest memory of the Cape League? What sticks out in your mind? What do you cherish to this day? I think everything. I mean, that's, it was, you know, again, you have to understand my beginnings. Um, at the time I was assistant coaching, people would talk to me. So, you know, you want to be a head coach? And I said, God, yeah, well, you'll never be a head coach. They'll never, they'll never hire a high school guy in the Cape Cod League as a head coach. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. And I worked and worked. I had 10 interviews before I finally got my job. And I, I the, one of the things I remember I saw a gentleman at the playoffs or no, I guess it was after the playoffs because we won, but well, we lost in the playoffs to get to it. And, and this, I, I, this is not my style, but I was a little upset. It was 1995. Mm -hmm. And 1993, when I took over, we had that run. We went to the finals. It was a 16-5 team, and we go to the finals, and it's great. The following year, I lost, I think it was seven players. to 90, My 94 team and seven players ended up making Team USA. And, oh, my God, what are you going to do? So we were terrible. Mm -hmm. I think we finished last. And if we didn't, it was second to last. And uh, it was embarrassing because I, I, you know, was really anticipating some of these guys showing up and they were really, really good players. And then 1995, we come back and we go to the finals. And there was a conversation at some function at the end of the Cape League season. And I, I was a little miffed. And I, I went to somebody who was on, a, on the uh, Coach of the Year committee. And I said, hey, um, I was last place last year. We ran away with the Eastern Division, and we go, go to the finals, and I didn't get coach of the year. And the guy you gave it to finished in second place? Well, they'll never give coach of the year to a high school coach. Okay, there you go. 
So I think it, the entire thing was, it, I did not coach with that chip on my shoulder, but I said, well, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to milk this as long as I can. And the fact that I stayed as long as I did and was successful as much as I was and had a great experience with all these people, that, that to me was the best. It was the, the experience of being in the Cape League and, you know, not proving people wrong, but going, okay, I belong. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I always, uh, people get nauseated when I talk about it. It's the Chatham experience. Mm-hmm. I use that term for many, many years. And me and my coaches would take a certain percentage going, we felt, because I wanted to make sure my coaches coached my philosophy and we're not going to browbeat these kids. We're going to make this a good summer for these kids. And then you have Chatham. How can you not? I mean, Chatham is just spectacular. The host families are phenomenal. The Chatham Athletic Association is phenomenal. And it was just, you know, you you see, it's funny when you run through Facebook, you'll see, you know, seven years ago, we took Billy and Jimmy on a fishing trip, you know, and there's a two pitchers or, you know, so-and-so, I'm with so-and-so and so-and-so 10 years ago and we're on Skidoo's and Dennis or, you know, in Dennis or something, or not Skidoo's, but, the, you know, the fast water things. And jet skis, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, memories like that are fantastic. And that, that's what makes it so special. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I like to see. And you, you, you see things um, on Twitter and you see things on Facebook. And somehow a, a coach's or a player's experience comes in there and he's like, yeah, best summer of my life, best summer of my life. And that, that, that was special for me. Because that's what I said. I want you to play good baseball and have the best summer of your life. And you know what? I know I did. I mean, mm-hmm. I had four great summers there. And uh, I, I hope that the majority of the kids did uh, because I, 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 I just – it's just a great experience. It's so neat to be with that level of player at their level of experience at that time. And you help them through that. And it's kind of a transition between, you know, college ball is college ball pro balls, pro ball, the Cape League's right in between. And that transition is, is it's exciting and it's fun. And that's, that's what our goal was to get them prepared for that. Thank you so much for meeting with me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was great. I appreciate it. And just amazing to hear your story. There's anything else I can do, not necessarily promoting myself, but Mm -hmm. if I can do that, I'd be glad to. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Uh, it was the uh, greatest experience of my life. It was fantastic. It's great to hear that. All right. Well, I'll definitely tell my mom that you said hello and I'll tell her about that Zoom call because she Yeah, I will. I'll send it to Awesome. All righty. Thank you All so right. much. All right. Have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cape League and its Communities podcast. I'll catch you next week for the next episode.